Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the First Cut Podcast. It is Tuesday, November 28th, and we have got a doozy for you today, and it starts with the big cat himself. We'll be talking Tiger Woods. We'll be talking Hero World Challenge, and we'll be talking about the Player Impact Program. Shout out to Nate Lashley, but first, let's get to the stars of the show. I am joined by two of the best in the business, Kyle Porter. How are you doing? I'm good, Patrick. Doesn't it, because I've been in the position that you're in before where you're hosting, every time you host, doesn't it give you a better appreciation for people like Jim Nance, people like Joe Buck, where it's just, it's, 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 it seems easy and it's so difficult. I truly have no idea what I'm doing at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) It's so hard. Who's the, who's the, who's the Fox guy that does the MLB stuff? Uh, Kevin, um, Kevin, but he's he's very good, very good, and he makes it look way easier than it actually is. Yeah, it, uh, it, it is tough, but luckily I have you, and I also have Mark Immelman. Mark, how are we doing today? Sweet. Thank you, Patrick. I appreciate the glowing introductions there for Kyle and I, and uh, I hope you guys had a happy Thanksgiving. Um, I had some time off, so back at it, and good to be with you. Yes, Thanksgiving was great. I'm still trying to work off the stuffing. Uh, the stuffing sandwiches after, you know, the leftover sandwiches oh. the day after. A lot of carbs, lots of carbs. And someone who doesn't eat carbs, at least that's how it appears, every Hero World Challenge when he's up there in his tight polo is one Eldrick Tiger Woods. The big cat was in front of the mic today, and he had a lot to say. One, about the state of the game. Two, about the state of his game. We're talking Jaybird. We're talking Rory McIlroy. There was a lot to lot to take in from Tiger today at the Hero World Challenge. Kyle, the biggest takeaway from Tiger's press conference today in your mind was? Well, I had two. One, I think, is, is probably the obvious one that, that most people will run to, and, it, and it's just the fact that he said he, he, his goal, best-case scenario, most optimistic outlook, is to play once a month in 2024. Now, I, I, think, I think people took that to mean like 12 times. I think in his mind, it's just January through whatever, August, or, or you know, so what is that, eight, seven or eight? And so that, but still like that's four majors and then, you know, two or three other events, which is way different than, I I think when he's been asked that question in the past, you would expect, uh, well, we'll see how I feel or we'll, we'll get to that when we get there in January or February. And he kind of laid the foundation for like, no, I'm going to play eight times in 2024, which I did not expect, and I don't know if any of you, either of you guys expected it, but that, that came as a bit of a surprise. And then I think too, it was more subtle, Patrick, but he talked a lot about the behind the scenes stuff. He's obviously on the, the PJ tour policy board now, 
and I, I, I thought he was, he wasn't like laying out the negotiations, but he was a little more open than I thought. And it was, it was very subtle, but he said, basically, how are we going to work the live schedule and the PGA tour schedule together? And that to me was a tell of like, oh, Liv's not going away. Like they're they're trying to figure out how to make that. He he didn't say like those exact words. Maybe you can pull up the quote, Patrick, uh, for what he like the specific words that he said. I don't want to attribute something to him that he didn't say specifically, but the implication was like we're trying to make this work in conjunction with one another, which I didn't expect i still kind of don't expect uh but he obviously has a lot more information than any of us do and i thought that was kind of a surprising part about his presser i do too i think when you look at the schedule or possible schedule for 2024 the genesis makes sense adding the players championship and then i personally think those two and the four major championships i kind of think that's all tiger woods really needs to do moving forward mark what do you think about that I'm just so disappointed, Patrick. He won't be at the RSM Classic or mm. Jackson. <laughs> Fighting for his card. No, no kidding. Um, you know, I'm sort of with you. Um, and, and I'm heartened, as Kyle pointed out, that he would make it as concrete as what he ordinarily does because the Tiger of the past, you never knew until Friday afternoon at 5 o'clock yeah. that Tiger Woods was going to be in the field. And it was sort of like, the oh, let's wait in 4.59. We get the press release. The Tigers, no, not playing this week. And so I, I like the concrete aspect of it. Um, I'm with you on thoughts and which events he's going to play. Um, I, I'm still buoyant, you know, perhaps about Bay Hill, you know, a little lead-in time to uh, to the Players' Championship. And then, I don't know, maybe something prior to the Masters or certainly prior to the Open Championship where you go over there and you've got to get used to a different style of golf. So I'm curious to see what the eight are. But look, the, the four majors, they go without saying. It's the other events. I'm very interested in and then the whole signature series thing right so tiger obviously gets an invitation to those i would guess um because he's not going to qualify his way in there so um I, i'm curious to see if there's one or two of those events like a memorial or quail hollow or something like that where he's had success before that he would show up is he uh is he in the player can like does he have is he in the player's field uh, former champion, well, right? But but doesn't that only last for like ten years or whatever? I'm not sure. I I think it may. Be, I'm speaking under correction, but it may have been reduced to five. But goodness, but um, you know, it's Tiger Woods, right? <laughs> also, yeah. is the other one that I was wondering about is the U.S. Open field. It obviously, won the Masters in 2019. I think that's a five-year deal into the U.S. Open. Yeah, yeah, but I. There's been instances where guys have gotten yeah they reserve uh, the right to give extra invitations yeah yeah and that would be obviously no problem uh, Patrick here's the here's the quote he said as far as team golf so he was asked about uh, he was asked about team golf and its place in the future ecosystem so when I when I hear team golf I just presume we're kind of talking about live I think there's a way in which we can all benefit from team golf it's just it's just how do we do it. We're trying. We're trying to figure out that process now. We we've been we've been doing it for months, trying to figure out how that all works. What does the landscape even look like, and where do we play? So this is the part that kind of piqued my interest. Where do we play, and what impact does it have on our PGA Tour schedule? So you're like, oh, you're you're trying to 
seemingly fit in some different things with the normal PGA Tour schedule. I think that's something that we have focused on and we don't take lightly. Did that pique your interest as well, or am I am I reading too much into that? I, I think it did. And an, another quote he had, which was pretty similar to that, was uh, murky. He was talking about the murky waters of the future of the pre- professional landscape and the PGA Tour and whether it meant it, it was going to merge with Liv or whether Team Golf was still going to be relevant, whether that's you know Liv Golf or even the TGL for all we know. Uh, there's some Team Golf involved there. And Look, I've said all along, I kind of think there's going to be some sort of team aspect with, uh, you know, the Saudi Arabian PIF and the PGA Tour merging together, whether that means, you know, championship style league, Champions League type style thing where the best players in the world have a team event once a month, once every couple months, something along that. And they kind of travel around to different parts of the world. That's what I envision. I don't know if it's going to come to fruition at all, but I think... Tiger seemed very frustrated about obviously the lack of uh lack of uh what's the word I'm looking for uh from from Jay Monahan communication yeah yeah communication from uh Jay Monahan and he seemed to be a little frustrated with the pace of the progress of the negotiations mm-hmm. he he would like for those to pick up he says there's a, a lot of options on the table whether that means from Fenway Group, Saudi Arabian PIF, other private equity firms. And he mentioned that he does believe a deal will be done of some sort. And whether that is by the year-end deadline or not, he can't really say at the moment. But I think it was really enlightening to hear him talk about it because, you know, we haven't heard really anyone talk about it with as much detail as Tiger just did. Well, look, I'm going to address the elephant in the room some. Once the offer or once the connection was made with, with Yasser, um, and there's all this money at the table, whether this merger goes ahead or whatever you want to call a thing, or whether it doesn't, that money is all too enticing for the PGA Tour to turn aside. So they're, they, they're going to find a way. So yeah. what I would just kind of admit it to today was uh, there's going to be some sort of a injection of funds here. And it's just how does Liv become the beneficiary there of their their investment in the PGA Tour? And, and you speak of Fenway. I mean, Truth is, like Jay Monahan could go back to Boston as like the mayor, and and the Fenway Group would welcome him with open arms. So, so I, I, the the future is cloudy, murky. Um, I know this for sure. I mean, I don't know on on on. This is just a gut feel, but I feel like I know this like gospel that there will be live investment in the PGA Tour somehow, some way, even if it's funneled through another organization or something. Yeah, I think one. I think you're right, Mark. I think once you once you start to see that those sweet zeros pile up, it's difficult to turn away from that, right? And I and I think that what's going to be really interesting, Patrick, is because Tiger talked a lot about this on Tuesday. He's like he was basically trying to reclaim the PGA Tour for the players. Like this is our league. How many times did he say that this can't happen again? Alluding to what he felt like was Monahan and Jimmy Dunn at Hurley going behind the players' backs, which to them was like they just kind of had to keep it secret. I don't, I don't know what those conversations were, but he, Tiger was like, "Hey, this is our league. This is our league. This is our league." But part of what's going on here with the with the negotiation is they're creating a separate entity that is very much a 
not a nonprofit, not a member organization. It's it's it to me. It's it seems more like a like a regular for profit corporation that you're getting private equity into. And so, how does that affect? And and this is one of my big questions in general, even more so now after Tiger Talk. How does that affect the control that the players have over the future of what? this organization does and i don't know if they know that i don't know if anybody knows that but i think that is one really interesting aspect to to all of this i just want to add to that um i'm not so sure now again i don't know i'm just kind of you know picking up reading tea leaves a little bit um i'm not so sure Liv is actually interested in being involved in pga tour tournaments i really don't think so they are certainly after all the pga tour properties the top golfs and all that sort of stuff where you know they can turn investment into dollars back as opposed to i'm giving money to the tour to run events and uh, i don't know how i'm going to get some money back out of this Live are in it for profit there's no doubt in my mind about that so so I, i'm also like you kyle keen to see how the whole future transpires but i know that they've got designs on other interests and not necessarily pga tour events and tournaments patrick did tuesday did tiger talking on tuesday make you more or less confident than yesterday that the public investment fund is going to be a part of this i'd say more i, I think i was always rather confident that the public investment fund was going to be a part of it some way shape or form just based on rory McIlroy's comments on it jay monahan's uh, comments on it as well where look the name of the game right now is kind of unifying everyone uh and you know what that kind of comes with a lot of cash too so it's a win-win from the pga tours perspective to have a deal with the saudi piff because you know what they've already okayed it back in june 6 and if they backtrack now They'll just look that much more dumb. Well, I want to say on the heels of your observation that Liv has essentially empowered the players way more. And, and look, there's the blue chips, the superstars were always going to get their due. But then you get the level of player that's not necessarily a star, but they're one of the PGA Tour's best. And they're like, where's my money? Kind of thing. And so all of a sudden, they're in a place where they can command bigger fees. And so you have the advent of the TGL and these things to somehow get the funny the money to these folks, the PIP deal. And so now you've got guys shouting and screaming about what they do. And the, all the tour can do is just pay them the money. So they're going to have to get the money from somewhere. And so that's why I have this gut feel that I do, because, you know, you're going to have Xander Shoffley's and those sorts of guys of the world going, come on now, I want to make some of this money too. What's going on? So, so I think there's an element of that to it as well. Yeah. The, the one thing I'm really looking more into the future and whether live and PGA tour does coexist is, you know, they're still throwing mud across the aisle at each other while these negotiations are going on. There's the rumors of John Rahm obviously going to live. They have the live promotions event where the PGA tour reportedly first, they weren't going to suspend players. Now reportedly they are going to suspend players for playing in that uh, December 8th in Dubai, you know, that pseudo Q school that they have going on for live. So even if they are negotiating, even if I think we all agree live in the PIF are going to be involved. It's quite odd that they're still throwing mud at each other. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I agree. The whole thing, because it, it it seemed like when they when they came to the original agreement in June that it was kind of a ceasefire uh, truce, like, hey, we'll maybe we'll pick up the we'll start slinging mud after all this is over. But between now and December thirty first, 
we're not going to. And that's kind of all <clears throat> gone. I mean, what happened to the clause about how they couldn't actually, I think I read that that clause went away. Uh, the, the clause about how they couldn't negotiate with anybody on either side until they reached an agreement that caused one away. Right, Patrick. Yeah. They removed it due to antitrust concerns. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, it has been interesting. What's your take on the ROM stuff, Patrick? I don't, I don't think we've talked since that, like some of the, some of that smoke started emanating, uh, during, I guess right before Thanksgiving last week. I have personally said, uh, I've never been offered astronomical amounts of money with numerous, numerous zeros to it. Uh, I think you would be dumb not to consider it no matter, you know, the moral background or the principles you have. I think once you see a check right in front of your face for that amount, it is hard to not look at it and think of your future, your future, your family's future, your grandchildren's future, all that. Um, so if the dollar figures out there are correct and John Rahm thinks it's his best interest, he obviously has that five-year exemption from the Masters. He's at the top of his game right now. He has no reason to believe otherwise that he can't bag another major championship in the next 20 attempts and kind of prolong his stay on, on the major championship stage. So if it's true, uh, so be it. And, you know, good for him for collecting that money. I'd be a little disappointed just because of how measured and well-balanced he has been on the whole live golf drama. And, uh, you know, I thought he would, I, I always think that he would stay on the PGA tour, but if it proves otherwise, then uh, kudos to him for securing the bag. Yeah, I think, I mean, listen, everybody's, everybody's incentivized by money. I think that Rom has a lot of it. And I think that he is probably less incentivized than others by money. Um, I think for the most part, he has seemed to be incentivized by what we would call the right things or like the, the, the pure things in sports, which is championships and winning and, and different things like that. You're right. It is a lot of money. I, here's what I think, Patrick. I think he's actually, if this were to happen, which I've heard so many different things behind the scenes about whether it will or won't. I think he, I think he would be more incentivized. I don't think he's a big fan of like the Tiger, Rory, JT sort of, you know, group chat. Boys club. Cabal. <laughs> I think he's kind of out on that. And this to me would be more of a like, yeah, I'm, I'm good on your little, your little, you know, ring that you've got going on there. Like, I don't, uh, and this is like way like big time reading between the lines, just trying to piece some stuff together on my part. I, I don't know that to actually be true. And he's made comments the other way too, where he, he, he likes and appreciates those guys, but there's always been this kind of undercurrent of like eye rolling that I get from him at the Rory Tiger JT stuff. And those guys are obviously entrenched on the PGA Tour side. So to me, that that almost would be more of an incentive of like going off on and doing your own thing than and the money would obviously be great, but that to me would be more of a like a prod than than maybe even the money. I'm feeling where you're going there. Um, because look, he pulled himself out of the TGL as well. He's like, nah, you guys can be doing your Monday evening golf or whatever it is. I'm fine. Yeah. I don't need the money. So that sort of says to me that money isn't an incentive but i don't care who you are uh, just just to look at this not from a name perspective but from a pure business perspective because these golfers are enterprises and if you're leading some organization you're the ceo and you get a call saying hey we want to merge with you and give you 600 million dollars 
you'd be a fool not to listen. I don't care how devout your um, your belief system is. So I, I'm, I'm certain, look, he's had overtures for a while now, Ram from the Love people, and they've been coming after him for a bit. And with Sergio and him being buddies and with Ram's beef in the Ryder Cup thing and Sergio and company not being eligible, eligible to play, I can see some of that and I can see some of the frustration and I can see him because I know him just venting his frustration because Ram is a communicative kind of a guy. But something deep down inside also says to me is like, you know, yeah, no, I've, I've heard you offer. I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing. Uh, it's easier for me to travel when I live out in Arizona. I'm going to do the West Coast because it's easy and I'm going to do the big events in the States because it's easy. I don't think John Rahm is that interested whatsoever in traveling around the globe down to Australian company. I, I don't care how much people talk about growing the game. He'll do his share in Europe and he'll play the Spanish Open and he'll play the BMW Championship and that stuff. But again, even though it's 14 events or whatever it is, growing, I'm told, um, he's that, that's a lot of travel, even though it's $600 million. Yeah, I think... I th and I think what Mark is saying is probably where he's out of like kind of weighing like weighing yeah. both sides of it. Like, well, you know, like like the uh what's the the gif of um uh what's his name from from uh David from Curb Your Enthusiasm? I don't know. Thanks for the help, guys. Uh, where he's, he's like weighing one side and the other. I, I think that's where Rom is at right now. It'll be interesting to see or to hear him talk about it next time he is at a is has a press conference or is is at a tournament. I think for a minute, just 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 toss this one out there. Give me a guess on what the net worth of John Rom is, and it's growing. It's trending upwards, certainly. So I mean, the guy's worth hundreds of millions of dollars as it is. Um, maybe he isn't. I don't know. Um, seems like it seems like he would be. Yeah. So so I mean, when you start to get into like a hundred and fifty million versus six hundred million, I don't want to say it's a wash, but they're making so much off interest and investments and sponsorships and stuff anyway. It's like the number of zeros at the end of your bank account is almost immaterial until you become a billionaire. Then you make a special list like a Woods. So I'm I'm not so sure that like six hundred sounds cool. It's like a flex. But he's got so much money, he, he, he can decide to do whatever he pleases. And still, he could never hit another golf shot in his life. And his family and their family's family and generations to come will be, sort, will be sorted out. Larry David. Also, these guys, <laughs> these guys don't have time to – they don't have the time to spend all the money. Right, Mark? I mean, I, it, like I heard uh, JT on – I think it was on No Line Up a couple of years ago. And, and they are like, what do you do with all the money that you've made? And he's like – I travel so much and I am playing golf so much that I don't, I barely have time to, to, to think about spending it. I get a nicer bottle of wine. Like that's about it, you know? And I think that, um, I don't know, we don't need to go too far down this, this rabbit hole, but I think the whole thing is interesting. That is such a cool take. I'll never forget way back in the day, I was working with a young PGA tour professional, right? And he said to me, you know, what's so curious now I'm on the tour. I show up and I open my locker and there's shoes and there's balls and there's all this stuff that I used to have to pay for. He goes, now I've got more money, now I don't have to pay for that stuff. And that's what the PGA Tour player is. They like that guy who, when they go to the bar, the dinner tab is picked up by someone and the drinks and all the rest of it. So you're right. It's They get all this money, and they just basically invest in ventures like TGL and all this. Right. Stuff. <laughs> they're, just, they're just using the, their money as leverage in the end.
Yeah, I think you either buy top golf like Rom has, or you design golf courses like Justin Thomas is starting yeah. to do. Yeah. Um, so, look, we got to pay our bills as well. And so we're going to be hitting a break here, hearing a word from our partner. But on the other side, we'll be talking player impact program and the hero world challenge. The theme of today's episode has been money. So let's continue. The player impact program was leaked, I guess, over the holiday weekend by one Nate Lashley lamenting on Instagram his dismay at the entire program. But Rory McIlroy, for the first time in his career, wins the pip, takes home a cool $15 million. Tiger Woods comes in second for the first time. He has now collected $35 million across the three player impact programs. The rest of the list, John Rahm, $9 million. Jordan Spieth, 7 Scotty Scheffler rounds out the top five at $6 million. Fellas, it looks like the player impact program might be getting cut a little bit next year. And, uh, you know, some of these paydays might be going away. Yeah, I... I don't know. I've got a lot of thoughts on this. Where I don't, I don't even know where we want to start. Let me. I'll, I'll tee you off, Kyle. Um, the player impact program. I'm now still trying to figure out what these guys are actually rewarded for because I thought Joel Damon was pretty popular. You know, he became a Netflix star. He's hanging out with all these guys doing these special golf days and stuff. And you're telling me he's not in the top 20 most popular PGA Tour players and with love to Brian Harmon and even Wyndham Clark to a certain extent and Patrick Cantlay, that, that they are <laughs> making more because of, uh, I don't know, social media, whatever this algorithm is that, that's created to reward these guys for whatever they do. Jason Day is a good example. Jason Day has more impact and is more popular than Tony Finau and Colin Morikawa. I, maybe I, I don't. I don't know. Maybe globally, uh, maybe globally. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe globally. Yeah, correct. Yeah. I think I think two things are true here, Patrick. I think one, Nate Lashley was complaining about: is this the best way to spend a hundred million dollars? Uh, no, but also like one sort of i think consequence of a member organization where everybody has one vote and everybody feels like they're equal is that you start to think that you are and and these and and, you, and when the reality is that you're not like these are the guys that bring in the revenue right and i think it's hard because the tour like <clears throat> the tour is trying to a little bit have it both ways what was the phrase last year have their cake and eat it too like that's a mm. little bit of what's going on here where they're trying to be a meritocracy, they're maintaining the meritocracy of like, hey, you you go out and earn your money at Memorial or at Colonial or or wherever, but also we're gonna we're gonna make sure that the guys that need to get paid get paid. And I I understand the the frustration of a Nate Lashley because that feels a little to use another word from last year, duplicitous. It feels a little like having it both ways, but. I, I kind of don't blame the tour at the same time because what, like, what were your options? Like, they were put in a situation where it was like, "Hey, we gotta like figure out how to get some of these guys some guaranteed money." That's essentially what this is, right? We can call it an algorithm or a, a you know, look at all these metrics, but it's really just guaranteed money for your for your biggest names that you fear leaving for another organization, and. I don't blame them in that sense, but also I do sort of blame them because it's like, man, you could not make this more shrouded in secrecy and like 
more vague in terms of how the money gets distributed if you if you tried you know like it would it's just such a it's such a mess like it it's it's a really messy way to reward your stars and i i understand the frustration from guys like nate lashley uh in in terms of that point yeah and mark to your point about why someone like a joel damon who's super popular with fans might not be on this list i believe they took out the social media aspect of it this year so it's mostly tv appearances internet searches uh just general awareness which how you measure that i don't know do they go around at a pga tour event and just like pull five fans be like all right five out of five know who rory mcelroy is let's put them towards the top uh so that kind of harps back to kp's secrecy thing where so, some of these ratings could easily be you know fudged i, I know i think they took out the speech dad or his yeah, dad runs it, one of the ratings. It was the MVP index, which I don't, I have no <laughs> idea what that is, but well, yeah. his dad was like on the board or I think he started, I think he was a founder of it or something. And that was not a great look, even though I don't, I don't think he had like any present, you know, present day involvement in it. It was still just kind of a bad look, but yeah, they took that out this year. Yeah. Well, I look along those lines too. I, I can understand Rory, Tiger, Ram, Spieth, uh, Scheffler, Fowler, Victor, um jt yeah uh then fleetwood and homer you know that that that's that is odd to me maybe i'm being a bit myopic and that i live in the united states but then uh, as we look down the list there i can think of folks also that deserve their well deserved i'm going to use that term lightly as well to perhaps be inside the 20. so i can definitely see like if i was a rank and file member of the pga tour i'd have a problem with this but then somehow with I maybe have a moment of clarity or sanity and I go, well, it's these folks that are drawing the eyeballs to our events, which bring the sponsors to our events, which means I indirectly make more money and I have more money at my disposal. But again, then award 10 folks and say, okay, you 10, we know. 20 is a stretch. I love Cameron Young. Um, I don't think he's moving the needle. Um, so, so anyway, so... Uh, I can. I'm interested why the money amount was reduced, but it also says to me that maybe that's the tour trying to put the the kibosh on this thing to say this is getting out of hand a little bit over here. Yeah, and and we've yeah. got to sort of manage where we're going here in the future. Uh, what was your take on it, Patrick? Uh, I think it was a really tough year to be part of the middle lower class of the PGA Tour between the signature events rolling out to elevated FedEx Cup points in those signature events mm -hmm. in 2024, and then something like this as well, which has been around for the past couple of years. I understand where Nate Lashley is coming from. I agree with what you said, where there's a lot better uses for $100 million than to pay off 20 guys. But, you know, these are the guys who kind of draw the eyeballs. People are coming to tournaments to watch Rory McIlroy hit booming drives. They're coming to get a piece of Tiger Woods whenever he does – uh, tee it up. They're not really going to see Nate Lashley battle to make the cut or tear apart the 16th green at Pebble Beach, whatever it may be. So it, it's kind of a give and take. I, I'm, you know, I understand his perspective on it and I agree with some points, but I also disagree with others. It, it's it's hard, right? It's it's such golf is so weird because you look at basketball and you're like, okay, well, who brings in the most money for the Milwaukee Bucks, like obviously Giannis and he gets paid. Like there's a structure in place that very obviously rewards your ability to generate revenue, 
right? Like it, it, it just like it, it's a, it's a very, um, <clears throat> it's very structured in golf. Jay Monahan, his salary every year, you'll, you'll have to correct me on this, Patrick. I think it's like $15 million, right? Jay Monahan doesn't bring in, uh, I should say Jay Monahan is not the reason people are showing up to events and, and the reason that revenue is generated. Rory McIlroy, on the other hand, is a reason, is a person who generates revenue for the PGA Tour. He's guaranteed $0, or he has been up until this point. And that's a that's a very different thing than I think we're used to in modern professional sports. And I think it's something that's kind of beautiful about golf is that you have to go do it year after year after year. Um, but it's also like in the landscape, and this is, this is such a direct... Uh, it's so directly tied to live and that live guaranteed these guys money. And the tour is like, oh, crap, like we, we have no mechanism for that. And this is their very, I think, unelegant mechanism that is just, uh, I understand why they did it. It, I think there are better solutions to it. Patrick, I just want to say this for posterity's sakes, maybe, um, it's always glossed over, but the tour's retirement program for everyone as a PGA Tour member is ridiculous. And the money that folks are stacking up for every cut that they make is astronomical. And I know golfers who aren't playing anymore that are now announcers that are drawing off that and living just fine. So, yeah, I, I can understand the, the tyranny of the urgent as it pertains to this sort of stuff. But all the PGA, all everyone on the PGA Tour is doing pretty well. Uh, but it's it's very easy in the human nature to look over the shoulder and go, well, dang, man, look at that guy's just made two million in the piff. And well, what about me kind of thing? So there's the envy. But, you know, if one does take a minute to just settle down and go, you know, I'm doing pretty well. And along the meritocracy lines, like Kyle points out, if I just play better, I'm going to be doing just fine. Because as we look down that list, um, Harmon and Wyndham Clark, they went on there last year. But now they get pip money because they won a major championship. That's basically what happened because the, those four events gobble up the airtime most of the year. And so if you win those, you're going to get searched and you will get more airtime and such. So, so again, play better and you'll take care of yourself. Yeah, it's definitely a good problem to have if you're complaining about how $100 million is being divvied up. Um, but <laughs> we will be done with the money talk, and we got to get to actual golf being played. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, there are 20 men out there in the Bahamas this week for the Hero World Challenge. Obviously, Tiger Woods headlining the field, although he is at the bottom of the odds board. We got world number one, Scotty Scheffler. In his first start since the Ryder Cup, Will Zalatoris back in action for the first time in eight months. Victor Hovland looking for the coveted three-peat. Uh, but let, let's start with Tiger. What are your expectations for Tiger? First start since withdrawing from the Masters back in April. Said his game's a little rusty. He's pain-free. The ankle seems to be better. What's a good week for Tiger Woods in your mind? Top 20. Uh <laughs> for sure uh also could be a bad week i th i think uh i think anything around par i, I this court th this tournament's weird right because you're gonna see i mean 60 scoring average is gonna be like 67 or something stupid right and so you could shoot 70 all four days and finish last uh, I'm just making up numbers right now. I don't know what the actual numbers will be, but it's a it's a fairly open, easy resort type golf course. And so 
Yeah, I think I think anything around part. I, I mean, the the hard part for Tiger is going to be what he said today, which is that he's rusty, and so you're going to see him probably turn some pars into bogeys, and he'll still make a bunch of birdies. So I I would say anything at or under par uh, is going to be a, a a nice little week for for Tiger to 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 come back to. Patrick, I would go a little better than that, but I will acknowledge the fact that you know even for Tiger Woods, you know if you haven't played and he uses the term rusty. When you when it starts on Thursday morning, it just feels different. And when you got to hit that shot, that three iron with a wind in from the left and water on the right, that feels different too. And the ability to step up there and hit the shot, that is not just a function of practice. That's a function of a certain amount of self-belief. Now, Tiger's got that stuff in gobs. But when you haven't played for a while, you're not really sure. And that seed of doubt can be the biggest swing wrecker. But that all be, being said, you know, um, Hero world challenges of the past down in Albany. The greens have been receptive. The fairways are wide. Um, it's 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 a scoring paradise. So I, I expect Tiger to to have a week where he shoots a few rounds in the 60s. And and I was sort of thinking with myself this morning. You know, does he sneak his way in the top 10? I think it's possible. I don't know if it's probable, but the one thing, and I always say this ad nauseum, is that I've made a bet against Tiger Woods one time before, four, and I came out on the wrong end of the bet. So uh, I'm I'm siding with what Tiger does because he's he, he's allowed information out, you know, like, look, he's walking better, and, you know, there's been no v uh, visible stuff of his golf swing and stuff, but I figure he knows what's up. I figure the leg's stronger, and this is a fairly flat golf course. So, so I think he's going to actually have a decent week. I really do. Even par would have been 15th last year 18th the year before that and 17th in the in the hero world challenge before that so toward the bottom of the leaderboard but not i don't think it would have ever there's always been somebody or a couple of people that are over par i feel like he threatens the top 10 i really do okay I really really do and, and you got to remember this is tiger woods he is the king yep. of underselling and over delivering so if his game is rusty Maybe it's not as rusty as he's letting off. And as for the comfort in competition, you look at that round one tee time, it just happens to be alongside his best buddy, Justin Thomas. So that should help with that a little bit as well. But he's not the only one making a return. Will Zalatoris is back in action after back surgery. Uh, we saw him you know, withdraw from the BMW Championship after he won the FedEx Cup St. Jude back in 2022. Seemed to be back on the road to recovery, but he had a go through that surgery this past spring. Uh, he's dropped to world number 33. We talked about the signature events in 2024. One of the qualifying criteria is actually top 30 in the world the week leading into. So, you know, this could be a tournament where Will Zalatoris could push himself inside the top 30 in the OWGR again heading into the new year. But uh, I, I think we're all just happy Zalatoris is back and whether his swing changes at all to protect his back, whether his putting gets better, I think are a couple items to keep an eye on. I had caught wind of the fact that Will was considering playing in the RSM Classic. And and that was heartening to me to, because to come back from the surgery is is difficult, but he's young and he's fit and you know he's lean. There's got all that stuff going on. I'm more curious to see just the... Um, the 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 resilience that he has and 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 the ability to sort of stick in there for four days straight you know because golf is a grueling game mentally and emotionally so look i feel like the the changes in the golf swing they have to have settled if the folks are now 
or his team are deciding, okay, it's time to roll Wolves out of Taurus out again. So I'm not too concerned about that. I'm just, you know, in, interested in you know, how good his um, his reserves are going to be to go four rounds. But I guess we'll we'll, we'll get a, a sighter here in a 20 man field. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm excited about it. I, I think that. He's somebody that we forgot about just because he wasn't playing. Not forgot about, but he just wasn't in the conversation because he wasn't playing this year. And he's a threat. He's proven he's a threat to win any major or really any event that he tees it up for. So to add him back to the conversation in 2024, starting uh, right here is, uh, you know, is exciting with the caveat that he can still swing and play like he was before the, the injury. Well, someone who didn't forget about Will Zalatoris was Claude Harmon, uh, if you remember. He was quite critical of him in one Golf Week interview. But, uh, you know, in Will Zalatoris' absence, another young gun has risen to the top of the sport. And I think we can all agree he's probably, you know, the best, at least the hottest player in the world at the moment. And that's Victor Hovland looking for a three-peat at this tournament. He's clipped Scotty Scheffler in back-to-back years. Uh, and he's coming off a runner-up finish at the DP World Tour Championship that was off a two-month hiatus from the game. He was off in, in the Nordics just having fun with his buddies. He comes down to Dubai, and he finishes second there to Nikolai Hogard. And, uh, you know, I think this could be a really nice nice week for Victor to put a bow on what has been a career-changing uh, season for him. Do you think, Patrick, do you think that in your estimation, in your mind, I guess, has Victor Hovland raised his floor or his ceiling more in 2023? Oh, that's a great question. I think he has raised his floor. I, I think his ability to kind of scratch out rounds is a lot more different where he, he touched on this a little bit there in Dubai. The first round, he said he hit the ball like crap, but his short game really saved him. And he said, you know, a couple years ago, those rounds would have been in the mid seventies. And now he's making those rounds into one under even par stuff like that. And I think when you don't have your best stuff and you're still able to get around a golf course effectively, turn a, a big number into a, a red, you know, 71, whatever it may be, it, it just changes your outlook on the game and raises your floor uh, dramatically. Yeah. Amen, brother. I actually spoke with him. I had him on my podcast. Um, and, one of the questions I asked him was, look, we've talked about the short game. Everyone's talking about it ad nauseum. What would you say is the big change? And he said, look, no doubt. He said, funnily enough, the, the changes to the short game have worked anti to how his golf swing worked because he was always very shallow, which is good for driving the ball and hitting long irons. Well, he steepened up the short game. So he says he finds his ball striking beginning to wane a little bit now. But now with the short game, he can get by those days to your observation. But then he said something to me that was interesting, and I perked my ears up when I heard him say it. And he's like, you know, I just feel like I've matured as a player. And he goes, now when I get out there and I perhaps have a slow nine, it's not like I have to feel like I have to fire at flags and stuff. Mm. And I just, I'm just going to keep playing. I'm not going to short side myself. He goes, because in years past, if I was on the leaderboard and I saw I was three back, he's like, all right, I've got to go and shoot 33 on this nine. And then I sometimes aim at flags that I shouldn't. And then I short side myself. And I make bogey or double or worse instead of making birdie. He goes, so I'm just hitting the right shot at the right time. I'm playing not cautiously aggressive, but but just not stupid. And so he goes, as a result, I know after four rounds, almost in the Tiger Woods kind of a mold, that I'm going to be around. 
And then I laughed at him. I'm like, yeah, just like the BMW championship, right? And he goes, yeah, just like the BMW where I played solid the first couple of days, didn't make anything. And all of a sudden, I got crazy over the last nine holes and I end up winning. So uh, it's it's been a case of maturity, um, understanding one's game, improving the short game. But that whole thing to me has made him just so confident in who he is because now he knows he's he's arguably right now the best player in the world, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's scary, Mark, when guys can improve that much without improving their skill set. Like he's he's basically just improved with his mind, and that's that's terrifying because his skill set is is extraordinary. Yeah, well, you talk about the ball striking skill set. I'll, I'll say to you this, and you guys, good golfers, um, there's nothing more scary for any sort of a decent player, decent to elite, standing over a tight lie short wedge over a bunch of firm greens you'd much rather face five iron from the middle of the fairway where you can swing away hard right from like 210 yeah exactly the harder you can go over the water but then you take you start taking away the athlete from the thing and you make it about skill the skill of nipping that wedge off the tight line the skill of taking the lob wedge when you don't feel like you can do it and doing it anyway like i asked him about the pitch shot from behind the first green at the Ryder cup that he hold yeah he joked he said to me he goes shane knight told me to putt it he goes, no, I can do this, man. And then he laughed. I think he goes, I'd never really said that to myself before in my life. But he said, I saw the shot. I hit the shot. It went down the hill, it rolled in. And so all of a sudden, this is different. So you use the term skill set. I would advance that skill set to around the greens because it can get so mental. Think of putting yips and stuff like that, where you've got to just somehow get the ball in the hole, no matter whether the thing's looking like a thimble or not. You've got to just get up there and get mentally attuned and have the physical technique and know how to be able to pull it off so so he was saying that he got steeper in his short game mm -hmm. yep he steepened up the downswing in the short game moved the base of the arc closer to the target now that's detrimental to any long shots so he gets steeper and that's why he starts whiffing the driver and slicing it too much but he goes you know what i can play this slice so i'm okay he had an issue earlier in on in this progression where when he steepened up the downswing he started hitting pulls and that's where there was an issue. But then they figured that out. And now he's got the ball striking in the short game there. And, and then he's mature to use his term. And he's, he's on top of the world. Yeah, interesting. He, he really is. And I'm sure uh, he'll be making a few of our betting cards here shortly. If Victor Hovland goes on to win this week, not only will he have the three-peat secured, but it will be five years since someone not named Victor Hovland has won the Hero World Challenge. Henrik Stenson in 2019 the last man non-victor division to claim the coveted tiger trophy before we get to the best bets we got one last break for you guys and then we'll come back this best bet segment is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook make every moment matter more nope make every moment more that's going to be a tough one once they see this one Whatever. We are on to the Hero World Challenge betting board. We got $50 for a matchup, $30 for a finishing position, and two $10 bets on outrights. Mark, I'm going to fire it over to you. What is your matchup this week? Um, My matchup, I am going with uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, who's played beautifully the last couple of times he's out, over Justin Thomas. Again, you know me, I like to bet positive numbers, and I'm not keen on going for the minus in front of a, uh, a line. Um, look, Justin looked better when he played over at the Ned Bank Challenge in South Africa. 
but it still just wasn't completely there. And Matt Fitzpatrick, he's played solidly the last bit, and I just feel like, you know, he's 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 got more complete game than Justin Thomas is. And uh, when you start to shoot low, and when it's a scoring fest, you got to make putts. And Matt Fitzpatrick, man, the last season I called him a lot, and with that flag stick in. I, I can't remember a putt that he missed from inside 15 feet. So I'm going with a putter in Fitzpatrick over JT. I like that. Uh, I've got uh, Wyndham Clark over Sam Burns. My my reasoning here, Patrick, is it, it's it's such a wide open course that I think whatever advantage Burns might have with driver is mitigated by the advantage that Wyndham Clark has with the irons. Um, Clark's turned himself into a really good iron player this year, and I think that he... Uh, yeah, I think I think he he beats out Sam Burns here. All right, I am also picking on a <clears throat> member of the boys' club like Mark. I'm taking Cameron Young minus 120 over Jordan Spieth. I have no idea what Jordan Spieth has been doing since the Ryder Cup. He wasn't neither does he. In, he wasn't great in Rome. He wasn't great to finish off the PGA Tour season. Cameron Young has played at least. Uh, he, he's flashed a little bit, I think, during the fall. So I'm going to take him minus 120 over Jordan Spieth. Hey, new baby in the house. That changes stuff, huh? Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Patrick, non, Patrick wouldn't know, but yes, it does. <laughs> it does. The non-nappy factor. Kyle's got Wyndham Clark even money over Sam Burns, and Mark has Matt Fitzpatrick even money over Justin Thomas. We are on to the finishing positions, and Kyle, you've got the man who's finished second the last two seasons. Yeah, best player in the world, finished second the last two seasons. Uh not super excited that he hasn't played, but a lot of guys haven't played. So I'm going to go with Scotty Scheffler top five. Don't love the number, but uh, I do love Scotty Scheffler. So that this this is kind of his um, kind of his floor. It seems like in in a field this small. Yes, and who might be considered the second best American in the game at the moment? Mark, who is your uh, top five selection? Max Homer for a top five. Um, <laughs> look. South Africa is very special to me. I'm from there. And when I turned on social media over the break here and I saw he and Justin Thomas uh, safariing back home, I was like, that is so cool. And then obviously I watched the Ned Bank Challenge because it's one of my favorite events. And and Max just plodded his way around a very difficult golf course and didn't overexert himself and accelerated as he got closer to the tape. It, it was a masterclass to me in playing a four-round event where he outlasted a limited field, limited-ish, and he was playing perfectly from tee through green and hauling putts. So I feel like that continues. I feel like he's rested after the trip back home. So Max Homer, top five. I like that pick. I am going for the soccer play of the week. Tiger Woods, top 10, plus 250. Look, half this field hasn't played in a while. So the rust factor, throw that out the window. Window. Uh, I've, I've heard reports that he's flushing the ball at medalist per some employees there. I think he's underselling his capabilities today. And I think he could finish inside the top half of this field. I don't think it'll be, uh, that, that too big of a stretch for him. So at plus two fifty, I'm going to take the top 10 Mark is on the top five for Max Home at plus plus one twenty five, and Kyle's on the top five for Scotty Scheffler at minus minus one forty. Now, to the big money plays outrights. We each get two for $10. Kyle, who you got? Yeah, I've got, uh, I've got Hovland again, uh, for a lot of the reasons you mentioned, he's been, I think he's the best player in the world right now. He's won this event twice, two years in a row. Don't love the number, but I do love the way he's playing. And then Ricky Fowler has played actually very well at this golf course. I don't think he was there last year. He's won it before. 
Uh, and he's 22 to one, which I think is is a little bit uh, too big of a number for how well he's played this year and at this course. I I, I kind of like the Ricky play. I'm not gonna lie. I, I'm a little disappointed Josh didn't hit the uh, the soundbite there, but I understand. Ricky Fowler. There we go. And Kyle, you share an outright pick with Mark. Mark, who do you have this week? Victor, for all the reasons that Kyle shared. And then I'm going with Max Homer. Um, look, let's be honest. This time of the year, the guys who are playing in this field, they're watching lots of college football in the NFL. I know I'm in a league with some of them. And then you've got Thanksgiving, of, of course. And then some folks have new little ones in the house. So there's practice, but there's not like practice, you know. And so I feel like you go with the guys who are playing well. And, and Homer and, and, and Victor are the high watermarks in the field for me. So I'm going with both, even though those numbers are ridiculously low. Quite the humble brag by Mark. I assume you're winning that fantasy football league, whatever it may be. Hopefully you are. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be currently tied for the lead. Yep. Okay, there we go. There we go. I'm going with a pair of Americans. Justin Thomas, 18 to 1. Like Mark said, he played well at, in South Africa. Even if it wasn't great, he's played well here before. He's someone who likes to impress Tiger Woods. So 18 to 1 in this field, only 20 players I thought was a little high. And then Cameron Young, 20 to 1. I've been a little critical of him throughout the fall, but this just seems like a place where someone who doesn't win wins. So I'm going to go with Cameron Young at 20 to 1. And so we've got. A pair on Victor Hovland at four to one. Kyle's also got Ricky Fowler at twenty-two to one. Mark's got Max Homa at eight and a half to one, and I'm on JT at eighteen and Cameron Young at twenty. But that's not all because producer Josh gives us a little more money, and we have been raking it in all fall long. Mark, we're gonna start with you. You need to get a win before the new year comes. I think I think it's coming. I think it's coming. What do you have for your best bet? Well, look, I finally got a win the last time I played this thing. So we uh, got one in a row, two makes it a streak. So I'm going to go in a three ball, Cameron Young, who um, I called the RSM Classic for PGA Tour Live, and we had him in feature groups coverage, and he looked good. Um, Wyndham Clark hasn't played in the fall. Brian Harmon played down in Sea Island, but looked a little ragged, so... I'm going with Cam Young, plus 160 to beat Wyndham and Harmon at the the, uh, Hero World Challenge. All righty. And then we've got Kyle, who is up 22%. Mr. S&P himself, who do you have uh, for your best bet? Yeah, that's what they call me back home is Mr. S&P. Mr. NASDAQ also. Uh, I've got Ricky Fowler, top 10. He's... uh, yeah, like I said, he's played very well here. Minus 115 to finish in the top 10. I think he does so again this year. I like it. And I am back to the parlays. I'm going with Victor Hovland and Justin Thomas, both to finish inside the top 10 at plus 102. Hovland, for all the reasons KP and Mark stated, Justin Thomas, I think he's in for a big week. He's finished fifth three straight years at this tournament. And a win would put me past Rick by the end of the year, which would be nice little bragging rights. This best bet segment was brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. There we go. We got it right on the second try. Uh, Gentlemen, I believe that is all we have. We've talked Tiger. We've talked Rom. We've talked just about everyone under the sun and a whole lot of money. You guys got anything else before we get out of here? Nothing. Excited about this weekend. Me too. Beautiful. 
Viewers, make sure to subscribe to Golf on CBS YouTube channel. Leave a five-star review. Share with your friends, family, and even your enemies. For Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS. <laughs> for Mark Immelman at Mark underscore Immelman. I am Patrick McDonald. This has been the First Cut Podcast. We will catch you later. Thank <laughs> you.